Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, I actually have another story for you guys that I want to share uh, that actually happened over the holidays. So I was fortunate enough to get some quality time with my 18-year-old brother, Nick, over Christmas, and we had actually been wanting to create some custom hoodies for a side hustle that the two of us are working on together. And so we sat down on the couch uh, with our masks on, of course, and I watched as Nick actually led the Google search. As he combed through the initial search results for design custom hoodies, I watched as he'd actually go ahead and hit the back button before a couple of the sites even finished loading. What are you doing? I exclaimed after the third time of him doing this. And he said, dude, you know, our internet is great. If the site doesn't load quickly, they're clearly not a reputable e-commerce brand. Now, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right corner of the homepage and look for a search bar. And if he couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd go ahead and hop back to the search engine result pages. So Nick, like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior, said, dude, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to find someone else who does. No one's got time to make sense of poor website navigation. Now, at the time, I didn't think much of this interaction, but you know, then I stumbled upon a company that is dedicated to tackling the very challenges that Nick encountered on his journey to find the best brand to order a custom hoodie from. And that company happens to be the sponsor of this week's podcast episode, Meet Squiz, a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. Squiz has so many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I have been most impressed by is their custom site search product, Funnelback, and their website platform, which is a true DXP. And don't worry, I'll explain what this means momentarily. For Nick's generation, which is really the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom, smart site search so that your nursing program page actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. You guys know which one I'm talking about. And their DXP, so it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. Now, a website CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management, right? Content management system is what website CMS stands for, by the way. Um, And it's an important part of your MarTech stack and an important part of the student lifecycle. But that's just it. It's an important part. A DXP, which is a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your MarTech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with just a CMS. Or at least impossible without a giant IT web team to support all of the APIs and constant upkeep, yada, yada, yada. So... Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that, by the way, totally hurts your SEO, and get ready to meet the fastest, the most powerful, and the most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducer that schools across the globe are using to not just attract students like my brother Nick, but actually to nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, not counter to, how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. To learn more about Squiz's secret sauce, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Squiz, and be sure to start your research with their search bar. 
All right, guys, take care and enjoy this week's episode. Happy Friday, Mickey. How are you doing this fine morning? Oh, I'm I'm super. Super. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> yeah. it. I, I could use a little bit of super in my life. Um, <laughs> so if you've got any to spare, send it across uh send it across the country. I'm still I'm still here in San Diego and it's still bright and early at six AM, six twenty AM. So um yeah, still getting still getting used to this. Uh, well, I, I have a little bit of empathy for you because it's 6 20 a.m where you are yeah thank you thank uh you. the fact that you're in san diego you're not getting <laughs> any of my super okay i'm just telling you now uh we we got another couple of inches of snow last night oh wow gosh what does that and take the, the total think, up to oh i have i stopped counting okay um and and i think we've got another chance for a little bit more maybe by the end of the weekend so you know you I'm keeping what little super I have for me um, so I can slowly burn through it and while I try to generate additional super. And if I find myself in excess, then I will happily share a little with you. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Let me know. Let me know. Yeah, it's beautiful out here. Um, but yeah, getting getting up at, uh, at you know, I, I'm an early riser. So like, it's not the getting up that's the challenge. It's the immediately, you know, logging on, starting work. Yeah that's the challenge, right? Cause like, I love my morning routine and I love, you know, just being able to get up feeling like I have like, you know, three or four hours sometimes on the rest of the world. Um, and now it's sort of like, I'm like rolling out of bed, grabbing a quick cup of coffee and then logging on for like a 9am call or a 9am podcast, uh, in this case and, um, uh, 9am Eastern time that is. And that, that, that is definitely a little bit rough. Um, like I, I feel a little bit like, uh, less stable, if you will, sort of going into the day. I, I feel, I guess it's, it's more about like feeling less in control of my time. Um, so anyways, I have that same feeling. I look at my calendar and it's, you know, if I look at my calendar now, I was doing this yesterday, two weeks out, like someone wanted to schedule like a block of two and a half hours to me for a, a meeting that or a work session that, that needed two and a half hours. And in order to do that, I had to go into March. Yeah. <laughs> and that feeling of not having the control that I've already lost that much control of my schedule that far out is uh, not pleasant for me. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it, and, and it can put you into a spiral if you're not careful. So uh, I, I, as you talk about, you know, being a San Diego, let, let me, what, what is it about being in San Diego that attracted you to want to be there? Well, I, I guess to be super candid, um, we we were just trying to get to the west coast um and we were you know interested in in warmer weather uh for sure um and we you know san diego was sort of like the easiest uh we didn't we wanted to avoid la at all cost um just because of you know the pandemic and just everything that's happening right now um so we had no interest in sort of like being in like a big city um, and we thought, oh, like San Diego, we could, you know, there are places where you can spread out. It, it's, it is a city, but like, we're not in like downtown by any means. Um, yeah. and so it was sort of like this, oh, it'll be warm. It'll be nice. Um, we can like actually walk outside after work. Right. And stuff like that, as opposed to being stuck in, in a home freezing. Um, so it was pretty much as simple as that. Like, uh, and you know, I've been to San Diego several times and I, I like, I like San Diego, um, 
So yeah, I it's it's probably a net. Po- I'm sure it is a net po- a net positive for sure. Um, I just wish I had more time, sort of like on the front yeah. end of things to to do sort of like I am not like a by the time in in real life when we're back on the east coast by the time like the evening hits like i struggle like i'm not one of those people that can like work super late into the night like if it's between yep. super working super late into the night or working or waking up at 4 30 to finish something i will do 4 30 you know hands down all the time um so anyways that's just a little bit harder to do out here i'm generally the same uh in terms of morning versus evening um, I was listening recently to a, uh, a podcast interview with, with Jim Collins. I've listened to several, I think I referenced that the other day, but, yeah. um, I, I've listened to several and he, you know, he, he shares, you know, if he wakes up in the middle of the night or if it's at 10 at night and he has an idea, he stops and, and goes to that idea. If he wakes up at 2 AM and has an idea, he's out of bed and he's going to do it at 2 AM. And he's a believer of taking advantage of that time when it presents itself. And then, Making up for it, if he needs to take a nap during the day, he's going to take a nap during the day. Now we don't all have that type of flexibility. Yeah, let's yeah. let's be clear in our in our in our schedules to do that. Um, um, not that's not to challenge us to say, could we create it if we really needed to? Probably, yeah, some of us could at least. Um, but you know, he takes firm advantage, and I and to an extent, I will say I do that, meaning that I hate working in the evening. But there are times when I know I've got something to do, and and I'm it's getting ready to be bedtime. If I have the energy, you know, or an idea right before bed, I will just let me stay up and work till three, wow. go to bed for a few hours and get up, rather than go to bed at eleven, get up at three and start working. Wow! If yeah. the motivation's there that I'm going to use it then um, rather than going to bed and, you know, as you try to fall asleep thinking, Oh, I've only got four hours. Oh, I only have three hours and 50 minutes. Oh, I only have three hours and 40 <laughs> minutes. Like I don't want to do that. That's a waste. I just lost 20 minutes when yeah. I may have had some motivation. So uh, yeah. well, the other reason I asked about San Diego is do you like the, do you like the coast part of it? Do you like being at the beach area there? Um, I think it's beautiful. Yes. Uh, so I, um, I can't remember if I've told you this, uh, or not. I keep, I, I did actually grow up in Hawaii, so I was born and raised there. You mentioned that last did, week. Oh, yes. did I? Okay. There we go. Yes. Yes. You're right. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard so, to remember like what you did. So anyways, I grew up with like the beach around me, like all the time. Right. Which was great. Um, but there is something more about, yeah, I, I like the coast. I think it's beautiful. Um, I'm really sort of, it's less about San Diego and more about like being in, you know, California on the West Coast. We're gonna. Our plan is to drive up the coast, um, and stay in and stay in different Airbnbs along the way there. But um, but yeah, I think that it's it's a beautiful space. There's no humidity, and you just feel like a million bucks when you walk outside. You know, so yeah. would the mornings be more productive if you took your calls from the beach? So okay, so here's my thing. Actually, this is this is a very important. I hope that some of our our listeners will like. Uh, jump on this idea and maybe we can get some sort of movement going um i don't know about like everyone else but like all of all like today i feel like it's like socially like unacceptable to not have a video zoom call and maybe that's just in like the the calls that i'm on but like one of the things that is so frustrating to me is like like yesterday was a perfect example of that i had eight zoom calls that were 45 minutes to an hour or more all day yesterday I'm sitting in front of like my computer, staring at, you know, my screen, talking to different people. And I did think like a couple of times, like, oh, like maybe I'll like just be on audio for this call or maybe I'll, 
you know, try to like just walk during this call. And I don't know. It's like when everyone else is on video, I feel like I'm the slacker, right? Or it's like, oh, shoot, no, like Zach's not really paying attention. And and I also sort of feel that way when I'm on a video call with people and, you know, there's that one person without their video on. I'm like, are they really paying attention or not? And that's horrible. I never used to think that way about Zoom until COVID. <laughs> but now it yep. really does go into like my decision making around, oh God, like I don't want to look like I'm not engaged in the conversation. Even though actually I do some of my best thinking when I'm like walking and just like talking to somebody via the phone as opposed to staring at my screen. Yeah, and I so that's interesting. Um, and I, some people are very comfortable. Um, I think we all have our preferences. Yeah. And I think it's owning and living into those preferences um, when you can. So um, I would advise you to, to find ways to begin feeling a little more comfortable doing those things because it, to me, it, it could be more productive. It could be less stressful to be if you're on the West Coast beginning your day at 6 a.m. Um, without having that time to wake up and do what you need to do. Maybe you can wake up faster and do what you need to do from the coast. And yeah. doing while you're on the call, like if you're actually at, at at the ocean, like I know absolutely I would, yeah, um, because I that is something that it defines my pace. It helps me think with clarity. Like there's just certain things that come from that, and so it you know it's absolutely worth it for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I appreciate that, and you know, may, I'm here. I'm here for for at least another week or so. So I I should try that. Just um, try so, it one morning. See if there's a difference. Yeah. See if you feel a difference about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I will. I will. I will. And if I get any sort of like weird slacks from people saying, hey, by the way, like, why aren't you on video? Um, I'll be sure to just say, well, Mickey told me I didn't have to be. Um, well, you don't want to make them feel <laughs> envious because you're at the beach. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Oh, gosh. Um, hey, I did want to pick your brain on a couple of, of um not ideas, but just situations that we that I've recently found myself in that I thought were interesting and wanted to just get your thoughts around um, whether or not you're seeing you know this trend happen and or just thoughts on 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 this this trend that I'm about to share. And what's happened what, so this happened actually two times this week. It happened once last week or the week before um, and has never happened or I, I shouldn't say never, hasn't happened frequently before. Um, and I started asking people in my network around like, hey, are these sorts of conversations happening? Like, are you talking to people about this? And sure enough, there are more people saying, yeah, actually, funny enough, this same thing is happening. Uh, these same questions are, are coming my way. And um, the the question really is, is coming from enrollment managers, uh, typically actually the deans um, who are coming in, they want to launch a new program or they've gotten approval for um, a new program to launch, but rather than trying to develop like the unique value proposition, um, really much beyond sort of the approval of the actual curriculum of the program, they're asking, uh, in this case us, um, how should we go about like, not just marketing the program, but actually like building all of the unique value propositions that should exist within it. So we're used to, to schools sort of coming you know, with 80 plus percent of like the, the work done and saying, great, here's, here, here's what we're really good at. Here's what this program is like built for. Here's who it's built for. Can you just get more people into the program? Um, and th you know, three times in the last couple weeks, we've got folks saying, Hey, like we're 
building this new program or we built this new program it's launched but we have we don't want to like mess anything up can you like tell us like what the program really is um and i think in the end it's uh, it, it's a good thing maybe i just it's weird. It's different. I to be to, to be totally candid. I'm not you. We're not used to having that level of freedom or or requests for a, that much input. Um, that's that's pretty that's pretty deep. Um, it, uh, with respect to sort of like uh, the creative authority that these teams are 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 giving us. So, anyways, I wanted to. I'll just pause there. Have you noticed some stuff like that happening, or or what are your thoughts on sort of this trend? Uh, yeah, I don't see that happening as regularly. Uh, I would say what you how, how you referenced earlier. I, most folks coming in with sixty to eighty percent of the process done on their own, um, which for something creative, uh, my experience has been is is not creative in the way you need it to be creative to generate interest from prospective students. Yeah, it's creative in a way to articulate the value. And how it's interpreted uh, and understood internally, or with a lot of buzzwords that are very industry focused, not prospective student focused. Hmm. And then you either have to translate it or walk it back. And the latter of the two is much more difficult to do because folks have spent, and, and this isn't anyone against anyone bringing that to the table, anyone in any circumstance, including myself, if I have an idea and spent time thinking about it and bringing it forward, you know, anytime it needs to be walked back, we become generally a little defensive about that. We have a lot of time or some amount of time and energy and interest invested in what we've put together. And for someone to want to change that, yeah, um, it can challenge us. And so I, I still see that to be the case. Now, you know, I think the other thing that stands out to me from that scenario, and I don't want us to digress from this, I want us to come back to it, but, you know, I'm seeing, and, and some of this is, is, is a result of, of, of us changing our process for doing things. And so I'm, I'm more aware of it now, um, but I'm seeing a bigger need um, in addressing, you know, we've got a new program to roll out. Um, we need a brand. Um, well, you know, tell me your thoughts ab about the program so that you can, you know, as part of the discovery to the brand, they've not done that process yet. Yeah. So yeah. you have to build them up and lead them to that point where they're ready to give you what you really need to help establish, you know, what you are putting together on your creative side for that brand. Um, yeah, you know, but and so, that, and so I'm finding it, you know, I need to take things one or two steps further back to then drive them to the point to do what they're asking me to do, to get them ready to help collaborate um, with with me for what they're asking for help with. Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense. I also I also feel like though that um, there it seems it seems almost as if there's this fear, right? Like obviously there's a lot uh, happening in higher ed right now, and there's just a lot of uncertainty. And um, you know, the Chronicle like published this piece, I think it was uh, earlier this week or, or late last week about, you know, the $183 billion that higher education has lost because of COVID um, and or COVID related uh, issues. And, you know, folks are folks are definitely feeling I know, strapped and depending on your context, right, like you enrollment might be up right now, and you might be feeling good about that. But that's not necessarily like, 
sustainable. That's not necessarily going to be true for, you know, your next three academic years. Um, and so I, what I sort of perceive also happening, Mickey, is it's almost like this fear of like, oh, we, okay, we want to do these new things. We want to compete. Like we want to get these things out the door, but we, we really don't want to mess it up. So like, it's almost a punting, I feel like of like, ooh, like if we, and I, I, I should be careful here, but it, it, it really does sort of feel like we want you to tell us who we are. Um, and I, while again, I have no problem doing that and I actually really enjoy these projects. I think they're a ton of fun. <laughs> I know. Like it, it is a little interesting. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know that like my, as a, as a consultant, my job is to tell you who you are, uh, or, or, you know, who, you, what your program is, but rather sort of like. I can help tease that out with you. I can help facilitate that conversation, right? I can help pinpoint the things that I think are valuable that other competitors, for instance, right, aren't, you know, uh, aren't shouting from the rooftops or, or, or what have you. But in terms of me figuring out who you are, like, I don't know. There, there's something about the, that just doesn't, like, sit right. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, so I'm some of that might be just some of that might just be you. You know, you've not had to do this very often, so you're a little uncomfortable. You're not as confident at it. It's not that you can't do it by any means. Uh, it, it's 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 and hope there there are very few people that can truly go in, talk to someone for thirty minutes, go out and then create it on their own. Sure, uh, sure. I think the best are going to be collaboration and your role. You know, their role is to understand who they are as a program, as a department, um, as a college. And your role is to help facilitate that, knowing what you know about generating interest with prospective students and blending that together to develop the brand that represents who they are in a way that attracts students. And what you bring to the table is that expertise in doing that. Yeah. I think, yeah, and and I think what I, I guess I'm actually getting at is I I wish there was a better way to help schools, to help empower in, enrollment management teams in particular to do more of the work up front because I actually think that the conversations would be much more fruitful if um, there was frameworks that they could tap into or, or resources um, to get them a little bit further down down the down the final because otherwise what ends up happening i feel like is like it's like oh well you haven't even established this right you you don't even know who your target market is for this program like okay we can help with that but like before we get to the fun stuff around messaging like let's go back you know to the beginning and ensure that we know who we're going after and again i I know that this is like normal and um and and whatnot and i think that this is like very very valuable and i also think few people do this really well um but i i for the sake of like um, the enrollment management team really wish that there were better resources uh, where discussions could happen internally to the point where, hey, we, we do know, we know these things and we know, and we really believe in these things. We want your help sort of like teasing out um, how, to, how to communicate this to the rest of the world. Um, because it, it's just, it's the same way, you know. I one of the one of my favorite things to like share at conferences is like, or like the my little like tidbits, 
um, in a conference presentation is, you know, Coca-Cola, Toyota, like T-Mobile, the big brands of the world, they have to fabricate stories in order to market their products and services, right? Like, um, in higher ed, right, these, these stories abound and they're real. Like these are the stories of your students. And in the same way, um, I just, I wish that there was, uh, I wish it was easier for, for enrollment management teams and marketing communications teams to better understand, um, their real authentic story and be proud of that story so that they could then partner with a group like us or, or another group to help proliferate that story. Because I really do think it should come from within and not from without. So, yeah, I, I, I very much agree. I, I, I want that core piece of what you're talking about to, to come from within. Um, I would just say, you know, over the past year for, for us and our work, we've, we've been developing or we have developed because we're doing it now um, that taking those two steps back in the process to facilitate the conversation, to get them there. Um, And, and whether or not that becomes embedded into how you do your work as, as building the brand, as the project for building the brand, or whether that's a separate scope that you do that then gets you to the scope of building the brand, you know, that, you know, that I think depends upon teams and process, um, but there's, there's, I would, I would suggest to an extreme level, a huge gap uh, in, in understanding of what, uh, of all the facets of building a brand, of knowing what all needs to be thought of in that with internal teams to be able to do that on their own. And if they did it on their own, I, that's, you know, that if they got to that 80%, the 80% isn't going to be right yet. Yeah, there are few, few the teams that can do it are few and far between that can get to that 80 percent to be where you need it to be. Um, and so, you know, that maybe that's part of your calling is, you know, how do you build the build other people and teach other people so that that when you come in the room, they're 80 percent there. How can you be on that mission to do that? Um, that's certainly when it comes to en- enrollment technology, that's certainly where um, where we're focused right now is how do we get folks up so that when they say they want this piece of technology to do X, Y, and Z, that the X, Y, and Z are, are what they really need right now, not yeah. what they needed for years because what, where they are now, they can't accomplish whether um, they want to put something in technology that um, operationally they can't support um, uh, financially, they can't support whatever that is, you know, how do we build that out over time? So it's right. And they have it when they're ready for it. Yeah, um, and yeah. they still get something now, mind you, yeah. um, mapping that piece, you know, cause what you're talking about, is just a part of the map. You're just going further back. Yeah, no. And that's, a, and that's a really good point. Uh, it reminds me of a conversation I had yesterday with a prospective client and, um, you know, they're saying, Hey, we want, uh, more quality uh, inquiries. We understand the basics of inbound marketing, and we really want your all's support in helping us uh, generate new new inquiries for a couple of their their key programs. And you know, in the diagnostics sort of call, I'm asking them about, oh, so cool, awesome, that sounds fun, like happy to help. Um, can you talk to me just about like your conflows and like how how you structure your post inquiry communications? Um, and they like, look at each other. It was, it was two guys on the call and they la- they start laughing because they, they don't have anything. Like they don't have conflows for these particular programs set up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and having this conversation, I'm like, well, you, you yet, we could drive a lot of traffic and, and get, you know, people to submit RFI forms, no problem. But like, if you're not, 
if those people are just going to be sitting in in HubSpot, which is the CRM that they're using, um, what's the real value at the end of the day, right? Like, let's first and foremost build out those conflows. And it, it's something that's just so basic and whatnot. But what they said, which I thought was very interesting and maybe helpful for our listeners, was that, you know, what leadership wants is more numbers. Like, leadership wants to see, right, an increase in inquiries. Um, and these particular folks um, who work actually in marketing and communications were like, it, to, to us, it's really not about the nurturing. It's more just about showing that we're increasing the top of the funnel. And I like called them out on the calls, like, guys, like, I, I understand this. And yes, you're not on the hook for it. But like, we need to be building sustainable enrollment pipelines. And this is not the way to do that. Um, and I think like, that's just something that's really important for for leaders of enrollment management teams to, to understand and, and leaders even beyond enrollment management to understand that like, there is a process. There is a first things first, and you have to equip your team and enable your team to understand that, no, it is a better investment of resources to focus on sort of building our foundation before we tell the world about who we are and invite them into our fold and then lose them because we have nothing to nurture them to the point of, uh, of application. Uh, and that is is exactly what we're what we're talking about, you know. And it's finding the balance between what I need to be doing to get some results for now, with knowing what needs to be done to make the process work the way it should. Yeah. And how do we begin? How do we bridge that? Uh, because not everyone's ready. I mean, th- th- they might be ready and want that long term. But if they don't do something now, the short term will hurt significantly. Yeah. Um, and and potentially that significant shortfall um, has dramatic impact um, on those people, on many other people at that institution. Um, and, um, you know, I think so it, it's just a matter and, and each client's going to be a little different. Now, you know, that also for me, I cannot speak for you or anyone else. This is me. That also helps determine you know, what type of help do they really need? And is that the help that I offer? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's okay to say, God, you know, that's just not what we do. Um, now let me give you these three names and numbers yeah. of people that, that do this, um, much better than I do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to build you a funnel that's going to help you sustain for a long period of time. Um, and I don't do the short or I can do the short, but let's, you know, I, I, I can only do the short if we talk about real expectations. You know, if you want to generate a thousand new inquiries um, through this with a $15,000 budget, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's certainly not going to happen from me. And let's be sure that, you know, if I'm going to help you in the short term, we have to make sure we've got the right goals in place. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, part of that. That's for me again. Part of that's that's just part of what I have to be able to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it also just reminds me. I know, I know we're we're just about at time here, but um, what this also just reminds me of is sort of like uh, that book. I don't know if you ever read it, and I actually didn't read it, but I've read like some analysis of it. Um, Crucial conversations. Um, I, I forget who wrote it. Um, anyways, it's, it was like popular. I feel like a couple years ago, everyone was talking about crucial conversations and like how to have like mm-hmm. real, uh, essentially like come to Jesus meetings with people. Um, and I think that this is a really good example of these, these particular folks who were actually, one was a, one was a director, one was a VP. They were being tasked by upper leadership to like 
generate more inquiries. Like that was that was the objective, right? Um, and they knew, and and as we sort of teased out this uh, teased out the conversation, they they understood that like a better process would be to shore up that foundation, build out that conflow, and then go ahead and and um, you know open the floodgates. And I I feel like one of the things that would be really cool for enrollment management professionals to have access to is better in like better like okay here's a resource or a template for how to have that crucial conversation with the uh, cabinet member or you know whoever within the institution is sort of like this has become their priority and sit down with them and say okay cool we can do this just so you know if we don't have this set up we're we're missing out on a a real opportunity to nurture these people to the point of to the point of uh, application um and just like i i really want you to understand that you know I think we should go this route first, but we can go the route that you want to go. It's just going to cost us this. And I, I feel like almost as it almost if you could get like sign off of like, yeah, like sign on the dotted line. You agree that we're going to go after leads and, and with the understanding that we don't have our compos built out yet. Um, and I feel like something as, as simple as that and equipping folks to to have the language and um, have the resources to to go to leadership and, and have these crucial conversations. I think that that would save people a lot of time and a lot of headache later down the road so i'm going to give an alternate path please uh and this is this is for listeners if you're one of those folks listening saying yes 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 it's those folks above who want these things that are not providing it's not the right path um and i've said this to several clients um the though and this again i'm going to say this is for me but um the only way I know to change those folks' mind is to let me have that conversation with them. Not you who, you know, you're being told what to do. Uh, you're pushing yeah, back, yeah. you know, that's, you know, I'm not a salesperson, but sales is a part of my job. I have to do business development. That's my role. Yeah. If I'm able to help you, um, I, you know, let us make that sale. I'm not selling to you because I sell to the person that has to sign. We're buying in, we're in agreement. Let me be the one to have that conversation because then my conversation with those folks to say, you need more inquiries. Got it. So it doesn't matter how many new students you get, right? Oh, it does matter. So we are. Go- if I get you a thousand inquiries, is, t- is 10 students enough? Yeah, yeah. You, you need 20 students. Okay, well then let's talk about how we generate in- inquiries, um, the method by which we do that so that we know um, how they convert and how many students that ends up for you because you're paying for inquiries students are paying for an education. So you need people to pay you. So let's talk about how we generate that. And, and that's the conversation I need to have with the decision makers. If I can't have that conversation with them, you know, then I don't know that we'll ever get past that. So, and, and, and part of my job is to make, um, make you, if you're that person that's saying, Hey, uh, yes, I need this help. I buy in. I need to make you feel comfortable enough so that you can connect me and not feel threatened or feel like you're pushing something down someone's throat that they're not going to want. Yeah. Um, but that, and, and, and inevitably I'm okay, okay with that. If I can break through and they still found work with someone else, I'm okay with it because just like you're saying, part of the mission is breaking through and creating that knowledge. Let's create the knowledge. Um, it's an hour of my time. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, if that made a difference, I love it. Let's create the knowledge. Um, that's fantastic. I think we should, I think we should wrap with that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think everything that you're saying, Mickey is, is, uh, spot on. And, um, you know, yeah, if there's anything to our listeners that we can do to be supportive, 
um, you know, bring in Mickey and he'll have the, he'll have that condo. I'll, I'll like, I'll come in, I'll chime in here and there if needed. But, um, I think that this is, uh, yeah, we, we are, we are willing and able to, to help you have those crucial conversations because quite frankly, there's not enough of them happening right now. Um, and there needs to be more. So, well, it's, it's more, as you're seeing it now, it's more prevalent because of where we are and how the numbers and the funnels look because of the external circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, as we wrap, I'll, I'll use a quote from Brene Brown, um, and, and yes, we can use Brene Brown to talk about enrollment management uh, because it's one of the big lines in her um, last book, Dare to Lead. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Uh, and my role, your role, Zach, is to help folks really understand. And we have to be clear yeah, so yeah. that we then can pass on, you know, that's, that's being kind. That's setting them up in the best way we can for the best possible outcome. Love it. Well... Thank you, Mickey, as always, for your time. And to Thank our listeners, you. we will see you next week. Thank you.